Even if you have braids like Latrell, I got more numbers in my system than Pacific Bell. Pass the basketball around and go tell. Smoother than Rick Fox putting on his hair gel. Oh, here goes. And welcome to episode 44 of Throwback Hoops. Woody V's in the house. Please follow the show on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you would have just heard me spit some bars from Cool Keats' 2001 record, NBA, where he, re- where he references the two distinctive hairstyles of Latrell Sprewell and Rick Fox. And as always, I'm joined by my main man, Robbie Clayton. How's things, brother? Going good, thanks, mate. Always good to hear Rick Fox and Spreewell shout out in the song. And yeah, I think he did have hair gel, didn't he, Rick Fox? But um, we did mention earlier today, not my favourite song in the world. I reckon he's a bit of a, a strange dude, that cool Keith. But yeah, it's a relevant song anyway, so good work for, for rapping it. Well, well, great to have you here, Robbie. And I know uh, Emily, your daughter, said, how come Woody hasn't been rapping on the show for a while, right? Yeah. So I had, I had to bring it back, man. I had to bring Replaced. it back. Replaced, yeah. Um, and look, we're also joined today by a very good friend of Throwback Hoops. Uh, we've built a great relationship with her over the last little period, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you as always. Jacinta Govin is in the building. What's up, sister? Hello. Thank you for having me back. Um, am I one of the first guests to come for two episodes with Throwback Hoops, or has someone beaten me to the privilege? There's been a couple, not many, though, right, Woods? Right. Yeah, we've had Matt McQuaid and um, maybe... Who else is there? There's one more. Um, Jaden Oakley from TikTok. Yeah, 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 so we've had a couple, but yeah. That's all right. So I'm in good company at least. Plus, coach Jacob Jacobus as well. Don't forget him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he was yeah, an yeah. assistant coach and we had him on before and a head coach now. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, but regardless, thanks so much for, for taking the time today. And you're in Sydney at the moment, yeah? Yes, I am in Sydney. I arrived today. Uh, I say that like I come from interstate, but I only had to go two hours south from where I live. Um, yep, yeah, I'm in Sydney uh, for the next 10 days um, just to immerse myself into the FIBA Women's uh, Basketball World Cup that's going to be held at Homebush until October 1st. Yeah, awesome. Great, great to have you here, Jacinta, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you while you're in Sydney over the next couple of weeks. Now, tell me something. Um, you're doing a little bit of work here um, for, for the Women's World Cup. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about what it is you're doing? Yeah, so I, I'm splitting my time between spectating, obviously, but also some volunteer work uh, with the official FIBA Women's World Cup volunteer team. So one of my, well, my role will be in media operations. Uh, it sounds like a high responsibility role, if I'm honest with you. So some of the things we'll be doing is uh, setting up the press conferences for after the games. Um, we'll also be making sure that major media outlets are given the prime opportunity to interview players um, before and after games as well. There's a mixed media area that is basically from the edge of the court, um, the tunnel from the edge of the court to the locker room. So we've got to try and facilitate some kind of communication and um, media outlets and player kind of uh, socialization as well in there. And then the one that I'm kind of really looking forward to is taking the players and the coaches from the locker room to the press conference, because that's a good opportunity to probably meet some of the world's elite athletes and coaches. Awesome. Yeah, brilliant. Once in a lifetime opportunity and it's something that you look back on fondly later. So g- good work and, and, and congrats on, on the gig. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. And I, I think we, uh, I'm also invited to a women's forum as well. That will be on the Wednesday, the 28th. And a couple of other things I was hoping I'd be able to announce officially this week, but there was a Molten local champions competition. I got picked of one of three people to be a local champion 
for the World Cup. So that will hopefully involve some other community participation and activities out in the World Cup as well. But um, I don't have details on it yet, so I guess I'm going to get it soon. <laughs> Brilliant that you're getting involved in it. So mm, awesome. Thank you. Um, all right, so you know you come on Throwback Hoops. You know you got to wear a jersey, right? And I noticed you got yes. a nice, colourful one there. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you're rocking today, Squid? Well, yes, it's probably a bit confusing. I'm wearing a tie-dye shirt underneath, but on top I've got this, uh, the most recent Adelaide Lightning Indigenous Round jersey. So this is the design on the front. Um, and there's a similar design on the back. But the reason why I'm wearing this one is because it's Steph Talbot's jersey. Steph Talbot, you know, playing for Adelaide Lightning last season, the season before, also just wrapped up her WNBA season with the Seattle Storm. But she thankfully made it home in time to start uh, her campaign with the Opals for the World Cup. So I thought, considering the World Cup is starting tomorrow, I thought I'd wear my Steph Talbot jersey. It was a toss-up between my Steph Talbot jersey and my Annalie Maley jersey, but I went with Talbot. So I just want to give a quick recap on this Indigenous design as well. Um, so I was a proud members of the Rarangu and Pakatha people on the west coast of South Australia. The artist's name is Paul Vandenberg and his daughter Hunter. So they were behind the jersey design. And the piece is titled Wanagara. Uh, which means lightning in their in their language and represents elements including hi the history, the land, the club and the people that make up the South Australian community. So if anyone out there wants a little bit more information about the designs for those WMB, WMBO Indigenous Round jerseys, you can head to the WMBO website and it's all there. Brilliant, screen. Thanks for that. Really appreciate it. And, and Robbie, I know you got your double jerseys there today and... Uh... We'll be getting into a little bit of Perth Wildcats chat, so I see, see one sitting there behind you, so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you got well, today. Well, do you know who that one is behind me, Woods? I know you're yeah. not great with numbers. Is... Ooh, uh... Everywhere he played, he won. That's my clue. Oh, Casey Prather. Correct. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, look, as I've sort of been doing the last few weeks, I'm doing the NBL, NBA jersey double. So, I thought, yeah, given, as you said, Woods, we're talking about the Wildcats today. So, I thought I'd hang the Casey Prather jersey behind me. So, um, so it's a uh, Mitchell and Ness Wildcats red home jersey. Um, look, just a little bit on Prather there. So, he was with the Wildcats for two seasons. Um, and in true Wildcats fashion, they won the title in both of those years. Um, he then moved to Melbourne United and they also won the title the next year. So, certainly, um, you know, the rare NBL three-peat that he, um, he got there. Um, look, he's been playing in Israel the last few years. And, yeah, Casey Prather, definitely one of those Wildcats I'll always remember, um, you know, quite fondly, um, including a poster dunk he did on friend of the show, AJ Ogilvy. So sorry about that, AJ. Um, at home versus the Hawks, which was just a huge dunk. Yeah, one of, the, one of the biggest dunks in the last few years. So, yeah, a bit of a shout-out to Casey Prather. Um, look, in terms of the one I'm wearing today, no... Real reason, I guess I've just got to open the cupboard sometimes, Woods, and, and pick one in there. It looks pretty cool. So I reckon this is one you haven't seen before, right? So I'll yeah. stand up. Showing off now. You're showing off. Uh, I reckon I probably am. Right, I'll stand up and show you this one first, Rob. All right. My man, White Rob, is wearing a Houston number 11 Yao Ming jersey. Dope, man. I like it. I like it. Um, you haven't seen that one before, have you? No, nah, and with, with an international flavor on this episode, you know, the World Cup coming up, a man yep. that's actually given a lot to Chinese basketball, um, it's fitting that you're wearing it, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, definitely. So, look, this one's a Houston Rockets, one of those Nike Rewind jerseys. Would say, so you know, I love those old Nike ones. It's really good uh, material, really good fit on these ones. Um, 
Look, a little bit about Yao. Um, eight seasons in the NBA after getting drafted out of China at pick one in 2002 by Houston. Um, didn't really have a long career due to his injuries, but he certainly achieved a lot in that time he was healthy. Um, so his accolades in eight seasons, he was an all-star starter in every season, which I don't think that'll probably be beaten anytime fast. Um, five-time All-NBA team player. He's also in the Hall of Fame. And this number 11 is actually now retired by the Houston Rockets. Um, of course, Yao had such a, an impact worldwide. He's still a household name across the world today. And I'm sure a lot of people can remember those um, memes as well with the, the Yao face that were popular a few years ago, you know, with that laughing sort of face that he's got anyway. Um, so, look, no bobbleheads again this week, guys. So I do apologise. It's been a few weeks now, but I'll make sure I get one and rectify that on next week's show, there, Woods. So that's me. So why don't you take it away? I think you're wearing one of those... Horrible Sydney Kings jerseys again, but yeah, why don't you tell everyone who you're wearing? Yeah, for sure. Before I do that, really sad about Yao getting injured. You know, he would have gone on to have an amazing career, but injuries cut that career, career a bit short, right? You remember that game against Shaq, right? The, yeah, the Lakers against Rockets. It was just yeah. must. I remember I just moved out of home at the time. It was a Saturday, I believe, on ESPN and watched it. And you've got to say probably Yao outplayed him in that first game. It was just amazing seeing two guys that big just, you know, doing what they were doing on the court. Well, Shaq's even come out and said it. He's one of the greatest competitors I went up against in his career. So that's, yeah. that's big praise coming from the big man. The that's big group, right? Mm. <laughs> All right. Why don't you tell everyone what I got? Yeah? Sure. So what are you standing up wearing a nice one? It's not too bad, like I said, but it's actually a retro Steve Carfino Sydney Kings jersey. So shout out to Mr. Magic, Steve Carfino. Yeah, shout liking that one, Woods. Shout out to our friends from the Throwback Store. Throwback Store, this, yeah. This Kings range of jerseys. Um, hey, hit us back, man. Hit us back, Throwback Store, right? Yeah, we're waiting to hear back, guys. <laughs> All right, so I'll just talk about him really quickly. Um, Steve Carfino, Mr. Magic, as they call him. Um, he had a pretty good four-year college career at the University of Iowa. Um, and then he was selected in the 1984 NBA draft. Check this out, guys. 139th pick in the sixth round by the Boston Celtics, right? Back then, they had a lot of rounds, right? How many rounds did they have? I think nine rounds, ten rounds? I can't remember. But, yeah, they had a lot of picks back in the day. He never actually suited up for the Celtics and, and retired for a year to run a sports store in Iowa until the Hobart Tassie Devils came calling, right? Uh, and, he, and he played for them between 86 and 88, where he really made his mark as a pro. Uh, he made the All-NBL first team in 1986 and 87 before joining um, the Sydney Kings between 88 and 91. Um, and he retired at a young age of 29 due to ongoing back problems. You know, another guy who, whose career got, got cut short. Hey, Woods, um, I was actually at the game that did his career early 90s. Yeah. He slipped on a court decal, and I believe that's where he's all his injury problems Decal, entertainment yeah. center, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom because he did make that transition um, into into the media, which which was um, he was very successful in doing that. Um, he was a great television commentator for the NBL, and he also hosted programs, not just basketball on Fox and whatnot. And um, who can ever forget Bill Woods and Steve Carfino together? That was a thing of beauty, right? It takes takes me back to my childhood. I'm sure you remember. Definitely. Um, yeah, and look, he's he's called Sydney's home. He's never left. He's never gone back to Iowa. I always raised his family here, and you'll often see him at Sydney Kings game. Um, he's even sung the national anthem at a couple of games we've been at Robbie, right? But yep, they couldn't yep. find anyone to sing. He's got a great voice. He does. He's, he's a man of many talents. And I don't know, have you guys seen the, the new um, Next Level documentary, the NBL one that come out, the six-part series? Not yet. Not I've yet. I've watched but... two of them, I believe. I think I've watched the Perth and the Sydney ones, actually. Yeah. But I didn't know, I quite know if there was an order to watch those, so I just kind of yeah. just randomly started watching them. But... No, no, no. Watch it in order. Watch it in order. Squid, well, what's the know? order, though? So it's like... One to six, right? Okay, it's just recorded on my Fox and it doesn't show episode one, it's just in this weird order, but anyway, yeah. 
right. Yeah, no, I, I need to catch up. There's so many things that have come out at the same time. So that's come out the same time as the sideline documentary about the Melbourne Boomers yeah, uh, WNBL team yeah. last year. And then the Opals are due to debut a new documentary as well. We were supposed to go to an event for, to launch that last week. Yep. Unfortunately, it was cancelled. Um, so I would have loved to have come on and tell you all about it, but I didn't end up watching it. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be pre like premiere on ESPN tomorrow night. Oh, sick! sick. Mm. I think I think either tomorrow night or what, what, Friday that's the, night. That's the Boomers one or the uh, the, uh, the Opals one. No, so the so the Boomers one started on on Sunday on uh, SBS Viceland, so you can catch up on SBS on demand. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of themes coming out of that about. Um, gender equality and female equality in sport and what it's really yep. like inside a, a for a female athlete in in, a, in the league um but the opals one i think is going to come out tomorrow the 22nd brilliant brilliant yeah. that's on espn yeah uh, yeah that should be on espn as well hey, yeah some, some good content to watch so yeah going back mm-hmm. steve carfino was was featured in that documentary so someone who's faded out of the limelight isn't in the media so much it was nice to see his face and reflect on on, on some things so um yeah just while, while before i move on he was inducted in, into the nbl hall of fame in 2004 and in 2013 he was announced as part of the sydney sydney king's um 25th anniversary team so um, he's done a lot of service for Sydney basketball and yeah, proud to wear this jersey. All right, let's move on. So I guess I wanted to ask you guys, have you been paying any attention to the NBL preseason, the blitz at all? Yeah, I'll take it away. So look, as you know, Woods, I finally got some decent internet connection in about the last month, thanks to a Google Mesh Wi-Fi system. So you two and your internet, man. A little bit of a free plug for them. So now I leave your internet for dead, as we saw any um, one saw at the end of last week's show. Um, (laughs) Go to Matt, go to Matt. Um, All right, so yeah, look, I've I've been watching a few of the games, Woods, probably not as many as I'd like. Um, Probably one thing that stood out to me in the limited games I've watched is just the quality of imports this year. Um, you know, look, it's always pretty good. Obviously, we know that each team's allowed three imports these days, but there is some real quality out there this year. A lot of new imports. There's not a lot of sort of imports returning back to their teams they were with last year, only really a handful. But, yeah, some great names there. I'm really excited to, you know, see how some of these go, guys go about it in the season. Screen. Yeah, no, so I am similar to Robbie. I've only watched limited amounts as well of the Blitz, given that I'm trying to uh, get my mind around um, the World Cup. And there's there's a lot of basketball going on at the moment, like already. Um, And, of course, WNBA just finished as well, and I didn't manage to catch much of that. But the the parts of the Blitz that I've seen, like I really like the idea of the Blitz where it's, you know, focused on preseason. There's not a lot of pressure on teams to perform at their absolute best just yet. But it's a really good opportunity for teams just to get a taste of, uh, you know, like match proper match practice rather than just scrimmaging against each other or scrimmaging a bit against a bunch of, you know, uni kids or something. So that's what I really like about the Blitz. But, yeah, like Robbie said, lots of imports. Um, some of them look really, really good. Uh, we'll get into the jack jumpers a bit later. Um, but I think the as much as I like having so many imports coming to the NBL and using this as a potential launch pad for their career in the NBA or even a better team in the EuroLeague, I think it, it will, the, the worry for me is just the ongoing cycle of imports yeah. season to season. It's right. going to cause a lot of instability in clubs in the long term. Um, but look, who knows? Who knows what will happen um, in terms of that? But that's the one thing that pops to my yeah. mind when I, when I watch the Blitz. Yeah, nah, well said. And I think um, with the NBL looking at expansion, moving into Darwin, potentially having the Blitz there and seeing the great numbers come out and support the game um, 
at the top end there is it's, it's been good so terrific um all right so we're going to get into a couple of team previews today um i'm going to throw over to you robbie and, and you can take us through the wildcats and squin is going to Finally. talk us through the jj's or wildcats number two let's call it right so um maybe i'll kick it off with you um just give me a sec no, you know, I've been looking forward to do this one, Woods. Want a bit of redemption as a lifelong Wilds, Wildcats fan after last season. So, look, I guess just a little bit on, on Perth from last year. So, as we all know by now, it was the end of an era with the playoff streak being broken. Um, you know, we had a coach and, and some players that probably didn't quite fit in um, into that Perth system as we maybe expected. Um, they still managed a 16-12 and 12 record, which is, I guess, somewhat surprising there. You know, still, you know, four games over 50% there. Um, strangely, they had a better road record than home record. So they were nine and five away and seven and seven at home. So I think that's probably the only season in history that that's happened, and I don't expect it to happen again. So I think that was a real anomaly there for me, just that that home record there. Um, look, obviously you've got the the rosters up there, Woods. So I'll just quickly go through those. So obviously we've got new head coach John Riley, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'll just go through the new players basically. So we've got two new imports coming in: Brady Manick um, and Tayshawn Thomas. So expecting big things out of those guys. Um, a name familiar for NBL fans in Corey Webster. Um, we've got a couple of DP players in Michael Harris um, and Jack Andrew just uh, rounding out that roster there. So, look, the depth chart at this stage, we're looking like um, Mitch Norton and Kyle Zunich at the point guard slot. So two pretty handy players there. I think Kyle Zunich is in for a, an improved season. Yep. Um, completing the backcourt, we've got Bryce Cotton and Corey Webster and Harris. So, again, some good um, sort of service and, and cover there for Cotton. Uh, the forwards, we've got Blanchfield, Travers, Corey Sherbel, Brady Manick, uh, the veteran Jesse Wagstaff back again as captain this year. And then a bit more depth at centre this year as well with Thomas, um, Majok Majok, um, and then Ollie Hayes-Brown sort of rounding out that, that three-headed sort of centre system there. So, look, um, I think Bryce Cotton said it yesterday or the day before during the Blitz that he feels it's a lot more um, well-rounded. Um, roster than last season and I, I totally agree actually I think it's a good sort of mix there's no I don't think you can look at any of those positions there and say oh I think that's a bit of a worry in that position I think we're pretty strong throughout there I mean look you could maybe say power forward if Jesse wakes up to back up at his age but you know I don't see any reason why you know Thomas or Majok Majok if need be could play a bit of four as well so yeah I'm um I'm pretty optimistic, Woods. You know, I was hardly going to be one that was going to come in and, and expect bad things. But I like what I'm seeing from John really so far at the Blitz. Um, got a lot of passion. Um, not sure he's making, you know, many friends straight away with some of the refs there. But I think he's going to be, uh, you know, a player's coach there. I think the players are really going to enjoy playing his style of basketball there. Um, probably a little bit early to comment on the imports, isn't it? I mean, Tayshawn Thomas has barely played. I know the Wildcats are in action. We're just recording this on Wednesday, the 21st of September. So they're in action actually now. So I'm going to try and catch that later on, on KO. So hopefully he'll settle in well. Um, look, Brady Maddox has been, been solid so far. Hasn't sort of been too amazing. His shot struggled a little bit. But I think... I think you'll settle in okay, but that's probably my take on the Wildcats there, Woods. Um, yeah, optimistic about this season. Hey, Bryce Cotton signalled um, his intentions with that 36-point game in the f first game of the Blitz. You know, he's back. He's, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulders after, after the team not making the playoffs last year, so I think he's got a point to prove. He looked amazing in that game. He sort of had a funny season last year. I don't know that his stats look like they dipped a whole lot from years past, but he just didn't seem to have that same impact perhaps in the second half of the season. He was a little bit inconsistent. His turnovers seemed a bit more higher than normal. But, yeah, he looked great in that blitz game there, and I'm sure he's raring to go. Um, don't even ask me about the naturalisation thing, Woods, honestly. What an absolute joke. It's a, it's a joke, honestly. Someone that's over there in the you know, painting, you know, Perth in, such, Perth in such a good light like he is, 
good member of the community and everything else like that. I don't know what the story is, seriously. I actually the other day thought about ringing up the West Australian or the Perth consulate there just as a, uh, you know, a question just as a, oh, if someone was to, you know, apply for citizenship there, how long would it normally take? Because I'd just love to know what the answer is there. Does it, you know, is it a six-month process? Is it a six-year process? Because it seems like it's leaning more towards six years. But anyway, I spoke longer about the citizenship than I wanted to, but... Yep, that's the Wildcats um, wrap from there. Yeah, I guess finally, Luke Travis, man, he's got. He's also, you know, just been drafted into the NBA. He's he's been stashed here by the Cavs. Um, you know, he's a he's a breakout candidate this year for sure, right? I reckon he's a sneaky defensive player of the year candidate this year. Um, look, I think we saw it in those summer league games. He could play, you know, twelve minutes a game and get, you know three steals and three blocks or something in that time. So I think he's going to come back. He's definitely put a little bit of work into his body. So I think he's going to come back, obviously, a better player than he finished last year. But I'm quite excited about that. I can see you've got Blanchard in front of him on the depth chart, Woods. I'm not too sure about that. I think um, he'll definitely be starting and playing the, the lion's share of minutes at small forward. But, yeah, very much looking forward to Luke Travers. Um, you know, I think everyone just focused on William Proovey's shot sort of last year, and that was all we sort of heard about sort of thing. Look, he hasn't improved it a whole lot, but every other part of his game's improved. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one and I think for Wildcats fans just make the most of having our, our um, Luke on the team yeah terrific well said man so fantasy stud and fantasy sleeper I know we've, we've just asked Quinn to join the, the podcast as fantasy league right she hasn't joined yet has she Robbie no so we've got three spots left actually so I'm holding one for Jacinta um, Stu from the sports blokes and of course our man Liam Santa Maria so yeah we want to get all three of those on that'll that'll lock up the, the 10 team comp but look in terms of the stud woods probably not going to be much of a shock by saying Bryce Cotton right um, you know, consistently he's one of the you know highest scoring players in fantasy and also one of the most expensive players there um, I'm going to give you two names for a sleeper there. So I did mention him very briefly. So Kyle Zunich. Um, I like this guy. I think if um, Mitch Norton was to get one of his injuries, it does happen quite often. I'm pretty confident Zunich can step in this year and, and sort of fill in that gap pretty well. So he'd be one. Probably the other one would be Corey Webster as well. You know, we've seen this guy have a lot of success in the past in the NBL. Probably not someone that's going to put up a lot of stats um, per se on your team. He's a bit of a a scorer first and second sort of thing. But, look, I think he'll, he'll definitely put up um, numbers probably in limited minutes. So, yeah, they'd be my two for, for yeah. sleeper. I'll agree with that. Thanks, Robbie. All right, why don't we move on to the Jack Jumpers. Squin, you had a chance to check out the roster and, and whatnot? Yeah, I did, actually. I tried to do a little bit of research, especially around the new imports. So I'll go through the roster, too, in a similar fashion, and Robbie did as you like. So... Thankfully, Scott Roth is the head coach. is coming back. I mean, the guy is an instant legend. He instills such a positive culture into the Jack Jumpers and into the Tasmanian community that, you know, I, if they have another successful season like they did last year, they've got to be putting up a statue of him in the middle of Hobart, right? Like he's it's a big just, statue, Jacinta. Yeah, that's fine. I, look, I will fund half of it. He is just such a genuine guy. Uh, I'm not too sure if you've listened to many podcasts or interviews with Scott Roth over the last 12 months, yeah, but yeah. Uh, he's not just someone who says the right things. You can tell he's someone who, who means what he says as well. So to have someone like that that's so invested in having a positive culture in a brand-new club um, I think was such a sound move by the Jack Jumpers. So definitely setting up a new franchise for a really positive future because, you know, us as, especially in an Australian basketball landscape, we see team a lot of teams in the NBL and WNBL come and go so quickly. Um, and as much as we want our leagues to expand, it always seems like such a high risk. So I think having someone like Roth at the helm is a really positive move. 
But we've got Josh Majet back. Uh, I'll, I'll circle back to that. Um, <laughs> Magne, hopefully we'll see Magne a bit more on the court this year after having the, the plighted with injuries last season. Jack McVeigh, Clint Steindor, Fabian Krizlovich, Matt Kenyon, the boy the from the Central Coast, Matt Kenyon, represent. Uh, Sam McDaniel, Jared Weeks, Jared Besto, Sean McDonald, still as DP. Really happy that Sean McDonald has stayed on as DP as well. I remember seeing him at under 20s nationals a couple of years ago when it was hosted in Terrigal. And you can sometimes you can just tell when, when kids have got it and yeah, Sean McDonald's got it. I really hope he stays in the NBL for a long time. He, he's been filling it up in the Blitz, man. He had four mm. threes the other night in one 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 half. So yeah. Yeah, he you gotta keep him around. Like uh, and we've seen kids like Sean McDonald, uh, you know, Emmett, the likes of Emmett Marr, Isaac White will touch on as well, Dan Greeter, like that generation. Um, it's been really great that they've been able to pick up and stay around the NBL, with the exception of Emmett Nah. Unfortunately, we lost him, but um, you know I'll get over it one day. Uh, and then the new additions to the Jack Jumpers roster: Milton Doyle, uh, Rashad Kelly, Isaac White, who's been signed as an injury replacement. So still not a full contract, but I'm just glad that he's still sticking around in the league. Tristan Forsyth has gone from Southeast Melbourne Phoenix down to the JJs. Josh Tomasi. And uh, Walter Brown. So I recently read up as well, Walter Brown, the DP from New Zealand. Um, I don't know much about him, to be honest, but I'm pretty keen to see how much he can grow in the next season as a DP. And um, I, I'm under the impression that Tomasi went to the open DP trials for the JJs, and that's how he picked up that roster spot. So, like, good on him. There's, like, I mean, what, 20, 25 people in those, those They would have been, right? been heaps of people. Yeah, yeah, so to yeah. be the one pick yeah. out of a group of 20, 25 people yeah. is outstanding. So uh, that's really, really that, – I love seeing that stuff. So point guard, we've got Majet Weeks, McDonald. Um, I mean, I wonder when we look at it, that lineup in that way, Weeks has been playing for a, a long time, obviously – uh, plays his role really, really well, packs a punch off the bench. I wonder if we'll see McDonald creep in and take a few more of Weeks' minutes next season. Yep. Uh, shooting guard, we've got Doyle, Kenyon, White, and Brown. Now, Matt Kenyon, if you ever listen to this, it says shooting guard, please shoot the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Please. Definitely. Please. Definitely. Even when I watched the highlights of the Jack Jumpers and the Kings, there were times when I'm like, shoot the ball, Kenyon. He'll be wide open, so I doubt he'll ever see this, so I feel like I can say it. Um, small forward, we've got Kelly, McDaniel and Steindl, and McDaniel coming off an outstanding NBL 1 South season with the Hobart Chargers and a spot in the some of the Boomers qualifying yep. games. So I hope he can maintain that momentum and transfer it into the JJs next season. Then we've got McVeigh at power forward and Bairstow, Santo, Krizlovich, Forsyth, Tomasi, and Magne. Magne still listed as injured, though, on your list here, Woody. Yep. He is still injured. He yeah. is still injured, yep. so... No one knows. Indefinite, his return is, right? But that, so. that's, a, that's a damn shame. But uh, I, I am hoping someone like with Magne still injured, and you've got Krizlovich, Forsyth, Tomasi, you know, still three relatively new and emerging talents in that centre spot, and comparing last season with the prospect of next season for the JJs. I hope that they um, have a little bit more oomph inside this time. I think the, the big game was really lacking last season and that was probably their weak spot that they was exploited. Um, but I really hope that someone like, uh, I hope Rashad Kelly can pick up uh, and, and cover the centre for a little bit because I had a look at some of this his footage on Rashad Kelly. He's played a lot in 
um, in Europe. Lots of big, big dunks in his highlights. Lots of big dunks. Um, he seems like quite a monster inside. He's, he's, he's six seven and he's only twenty seven, so he's got lots of playing days ahead of him. I feel like with his stature as well, he could probably slip into the centre, even though he'd be typically undersized, even even for the NBL. Um, but I feel like he can have a big presence, especially now with Magne out. So I think he'll have a, probably have to bump up into that centre position. But he's got really good footwork. He's really mobile. Yep. He's always in the right spots at the right time. And I think if he works well with the likes of, you know, even Weeks and McDonald, if they're going to look for him on the inside, being, you know, past first point guards, um, I think that could work and really, really well. And Majette as well, right? Yeah. Now, Majette. Uh <laughs> Majet and Adams uh, were not my favourite players last year, to be honest. Adams, see, now Milton Doyle's coming. I feel like Milton Doyle's role is going to be replacing what we lost with Josh Adams. But for me, Josh Adams, I didn't – his playing style wasn't my preference, um, to be honest. He, to me, reads as someone as a little bit too risky, too flashy. Um, I felt like, especially at the start of the season, there was this power struggle between Majet and Josh Adams, where yep. Josh Adams really – tried very hard to assert himself as the scorer in the team. Rather than letting the game come to him, he was forcing up a lot of stuff. And to his credit, a lot of that stuff that he forced up in the final series was going his way. Some of those shots that he was yep. making in the finals against United and even the Kings. And that, for me, is just not... That's not the type of basketball I like. So when he wasn't returning, I wasn't upset about it. And Majette, no more car park threes, mate. Just <laughs> take it out of your game. <laughs> This he please, loves it. He loves oh, it. Oh, he loves the car park three. The first, I think that's what put me off him, especially when the JJ started last season. I'm like, who is this guy with these bling and gold shoes shooting from the car park? He obviously, it's not his range, um, but he he did a pretty good job of getting everyone organised. Yeah, but I hope definitely. that he can curb, you know, just focus on steering the ship, being a true PG in that sense of getting everyone organised knowing when to change the tempo of the offense and just take those car park threes out of your game. But, yeah, Milton Doyle, G League experience, experience in Europe, good yeah. handles, can shoot from anywhere, obviously the replacement for Adams. But I feel like when Scott Roth was recruiting imports this time, he would have been looking at the person off court as well, being a big culture guy. So I'm hoping that both Kelly and Doyle are able to slot in to the JJ's roster pretty easy. And because they've both got... A lot of experience playing in Europe. I hope those yep. playing styles will be a little bit more transferable than going from the American playing style to the Aussie playing style. So I'm really looking forward to see how this dynamic plays out next season, to be honest. Yep. And yeah, what you said about Milton Dawes, right on. You know, he's been a winner all over the world, played in a variety of different environments. So Scott Roth looked at that, you know, what's this guy going to bring off the court? Um, not just on the court, and 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 hopefully that um, camaraderie in that team is good. And with Majette, I agree with you. Maybe he should get rid of the car park threes, but he does set the table very well, you know. And he does manage to lead that team. I know Robbie's a huge fan of of our uh, ex Atlanta Hawk, Josh Majette, right, Robbie? Definitely. Yeah. No, hopefully he'll be a bit more settled. But I definitely agree with what Jacinta said about Adams. I think a lot of people saw the way he finished the year. Like, oh, he's such a good player. But he was throwing up a lot of crap in the first half of the year, wasn't he? That wasn't going in. So, yeah, people sometimes have short memories and remember how he looked in the finals and don't remember how he played the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, sometimes that reads a little bit NBA, a little bit junkyard basketball of just going for the flashy things and the, the, the huge elevations in a corner three. And 
I think what I like about Milton Doyle compared to Josh Adams as well is their is his decision making. Milton Doyle's decision making seems to be a lot more sound and and team focused than Adams. Definitely, mm. definitely. Uh, okay, one more question I got for you guys. I know you said uh, you know um, Rashad Kelly six seven, Fabian Krizlovich is also six seven, right? Um, with Magne out and and you know not having that much size in in the middle. There's one name I want to throw out at you, Nathan Jawai, right? He doesn't have a team yet, right? He's a veteran, right? Um, played a little bit in the NBL one uh, in, in the offseason, right? Um, now, I'm just looking at this roster, and if, if Magne's out for an extended period of time, wouldn't it be a fit to bring in someone like Nathan Jawai as, a, as an injury re- replacement to give them some size in the middle? I mean, and they play the slower style of basketball, so he probably could fit into that Scott Rod system a bit better than somewhere else, right? Good call, I reckon. I mean, yeah, that's definitely the weak spot, isn't it? I mean, it stands out really clearly on that depth chart, the centre position there. And, yeah, like you said, the word indefinite is never a good thing next to Will Magne's name. So, yeah, not the worst suggestion, Woods. Mm, yeah, no, I'd agree. And, I mean, someone like Kelly and, and Jawai maybe has potential to work well off each other if they were paired as a 4-5 at the same time. Yeah. Um, you've got the one big body for the rim protection. And, I mean, Kelly can do the rim protection as well, but he's a lot more athletic and perhaps... Having Jawai and Kelly the same on at the same time would provide uh, Kelly a bit more opportunity to pick up some scraps on the O board while everyone's focusing on boxing out Jawai. So yep, yep. yeah, why not? Should we just send Scott Roth an email with our suggestions? Yeah, we should. We should go add, add Scott <laughs> Roth. Is he on Twitter? Maybe we'll hit him up on Twitter after this. Maybe, right? maybe. <laughs> um, all right, awesome. So I know you're joining the fantasy fantasy league this year, Squin. So give me give me your fantasy stud and your fantasy sleeper. So start a guy that you got to have in your roster. A sleeper, mm. maybe a guy that you know not many people think about, but um, he's going to be someone you might get for cheap and, and he can contribute to your team. From this roster in particular, from exactly. the JJ's, from yeah, the JJ's specifically. I'm going to go. Oh, studs. That's um tough. Especially, oh, I mean, I'm going to go on a limb and say stud is Doyle. Just okay. based on the footage that I've seen and the, the role I'm predicting him to play for the JJs, I think the stud is going to be Doyle. Oh, fair call, yeah. Um, and then a, a dud is, did you say dud? No, 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 sleeper, no, sleeper. Sleeper, yeah, so, not dud. So, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> a sleeper. Um, oh, I'm going to say. Based on the momentum of the last 12 months for this guy, I'm going to say McDaniel is a sleeper. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like yeah. that. I like yes. that. Still fresh to the NBL, but he's he's definitely on an upward trajectory to do some big things next season. Awesome. And as I said last year, great to see that McDaniel jersey on the back of a, a Tasmanian uh, singlet, man. So, uh, following in his father's footsteps, right? So... Uh, terrific. Okay, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. We've done six teams now, or eight teams now, Robbie, I think. So next week, yep, we're going to do our two, Mel- two Melbourne teams, just in time for the regular season to start. So good timing. And thanks, Finn, for your contributions today. Um, and I'm going to ask a little bit more from you, because we, did, we didn't bring you here to give us NBL previews, did we? No, no, you definitely did not. But I, I think so far, I've held my own okay. So. You have held your own beautifully. <laughs> So, I think you did a better job than Robbie, yeah? What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I think my job might be in danger, mate. (laughs) (laughs) No, I crammed. I crammed like an exam. Thanks, both of you. Really good good work. Appreciate it. So, what I've done is brought up the two groups um, in, in, in front of us. So, I'll just quickly go through them. In the first group, we've got Belgium, China, is that Bosnia and Hus... Yeah, Hertz it, Hertz it, Hertz Hertz yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll just call it Bosnia. Puerto Rico, Korea, and USA. In the second group, we've got France, 
Serbia, Japan, Mali, Canada, and Australia. So before we get into it, do you want to just tell us a little bit about the format? So is it the top four from each group, and how does that all work? Yeah, so at this at this stage, it will be the top four of each group that will go through to the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. Pretty confident that the quarterfinals will be played on the Friday. Uh, the, I think it's the Friday. Hold on, I've got my app. I highly recommend as well if you're planning to go to the World Cup or you just need some basic information about the World Cup, when games are on, how it's all going to run. Um, just the, there's an official like FIBA World Cup app. And it's actually really simple to use. The interface is really, really nice. You'll be able to see what game is on every day. And uh, so Thursday the 29th is scheduled for the quarterfinals. So the top four will go and play Thursday the 29th, the quarterfinals. And I'm pretty sure it's a basic crossover of one from Group A will play four from Group B. Um, and, you know, two and three will cross over across the groups as well. But Group B is has already been nicknamed the death group. Um, as you can see from that lineup there, where Australia is sitting pretty in the death group, <laughs> mm. so it's a bit of a worry. But, hey, Jacinta, um, is there a standout worst team there for you? I'm just looking through that. I mean, I'm I'm only be guessing. Is there one that you think like might really struggle to win a game in either of the pools there? Uh, I would say uh, it, it's hard I, without sounding mean, but Puerto Rico in in Group A will probably mm. struggle. I think I'm expecting. Um, Korea to finish fifth and Puerto Rico to finish sixth in Group A. Uh, in Group B, I'm expecting Mali to finish sixth, unfortunately, in Group B. Mm -hmm. But whoever's going to be fifth in Group B is going to be very, very tight between France, Serbia, Japan, Canada, Australia. Uh, none of them on paper you would expect to come fifth in a group at all. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's um, really, really unexpected. But, yeah, I'm expecting Puerto Rico and Mali probably to struggle the most. I, I, won't ex I don't expect them to perhaps win any games. But, I mean, Puerto Rico might turn up and beat Korea. Um, Korea can be a little bit up and down in their consistency, uh, as we saw in the Asia Cup qualifiers earlier this year around February. Um, so if that if there's a game for Puerto Rico to get, it's against Korea. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess um, in that first group right there, I mean Belgium's one team that have done really well of late, right? And they're they're someone people aren't speaking about that much. But I mean, tell us a little bit about the Belgian team, who to look out for, and and what kind of impact they can have on this tournament. Yeah. So Belgium have uh, really come up in the ranks, especially in the last two years. So their main players would be uh, Alamand and Messerman, who have both been playing in the WNBA for some time now, um, one being a guard, one being a power forwarder and a centre. Um, so to Belgium's advantage, they've had a really, really good Tokyo Olympics campaign last year. They've probably maintained most of the roster as well from that um, Olympics. And I think Pretty sure just before the Olympics, they played their European Cup and, um, you know, played some really great games against the likes of Spain and etc. And that got them here at a place at the World Cup. Um, and also to their advantage, there is a high, they play the USA first. And there is a high chance that, you know, a lot of uh, three, at least three players from the USA yeah. roster won't be playing that first game against Belgium. So USA are likely to be missing um, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum and Asia Wilson as they keep celebrating their WNBA championship with the Las Vegas Aces. And look, credit to them, uh, winning a championship of that magnitude is worth celebrating as long as you can. It's just that 
unfortunate timing of the WNBA season and the FIBA World Cup, even though, you know, the WNBA knew that the FIBA World Cup, they knew the dates. We've known the dates for at least two years. So just the timing of it's really unfortunate. So Belgium could really get in and sneak a win over the US and finish number one on Group B, which would easily see them in the semi-finals, and they're setting themselves up really nicely for a podium finish. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 terrific. And I, I know I know you mentioned um, the timing of the WNBA finals in relation to this. And I listened to you, one of your most recent podcasts with with Timzy on there, and she was waxing lyrical about how you know this needs to be changed, right? And 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 the thing is, international play doesn't mean as much to the to the Americans as it does to the rest of the world, right? You know, that NBA, WNBA, that sits on a pedestal, right? And for them, it's it's not it's a very little concern to them, you know. And I think. That's the reason why it's 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 being done like this, right? You know, you know, like it's unfortunate, but that's just Americans' attitude towards international play. I feel right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's it's definitely uh, the the other way around in America compared to our perspective over here yep. of playing for your national team, making an Olympics, making a World Cup, and yeah, that just uh, comes off as second best in America, unfortunately. Um, which is still so surprising because yep. even the likes of DT and Sue Bird, they're not here for the World Cup. And I know that Sue Bird just technically retired, but I mean, girl, between you from your last game with Seattle, it's only a few weeks until the World Cup, and you would have a really good chance of act- of getting another gold medal to your already, you know, huge line of accolades. Like, why not just come for a two week holiday in Australia? Oh, just how good was that shot that she hit in that? semi-final for Seattle to force overtime as well that game. That was amazing. Oh, man. I mean, if anyone was going to do it, it was Sue Bird, mm, right? Absolutely. And it was just the pinnacle considering we knew that she was retiring and she's such a legend. And to hit that shot at that point in the game was like, that's, you know, got to be one of the top five highlights of her career. Mm. Hey, Justin, I wanted to ask as well, I heard you mention obviously Spain earlier. Are there any other sort of big name um, countries that haven't qualified here? I mean, I'm assuming Spain would be one. Is there any other sort of countries that stand out possibly? Yeah, definitely Spain. That was very surprising. Um, even when, so, so Puerto Rico actually, uh, they didn't qualify, um, but they ended up getting in because Nigeria had to pull out. So that, that spot in, in Group A is supposed to be Nigeria. They've got a lot of kind of political conflict between uh, their government and their basketball body and all this kind of stuff going on. And so they pulled them out. So Puerto Rico came in. And I was actually hoping that, I don't, I'm not too sure how it worked of how Puerto Rico found their way here, but I was actually hoping Spain was going to take that spot because they're, they're a basketball powerhouse. Um, their juniors coming up as well in both the men and women are going to be outstanding when they get to the senior level. So it's really disappointing Spain's not here. Italy is someone that, you know, as, a, as when I was growing up is someone I would expect always to be... Um, in the, in the ranks of going to a World Cup as well, but I'm not too sure what's happening with their basketball program at the moment because their juniors are also lacking a little bit, whereas, you know, I'm seeing Spain and France and the juniors putting a lot of investment into into basketball. Um, but, yeah, perhaps Italy. Um, I would say that's it's probably mostly, mostly Spain. And I'm just trying to think of some other European countries off the top of my head, but... Um, I mean, that, that's the one that really, really stands out. No, good answer. Thanks. Yeah, and I guess um, international tournaments like this um, are, are coming out party for players, you know, both in men's and women's basketball. 
people make a name for themselves and get noticed, right? So tell me, who, who are some names that we should look out for during this tournament that, that we might not have seen or heard of in the past, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. So I'm um, playing for Bosnia and I hopefully, I'm, I've practiced this, I'm going to get it right. Bosnia Herzegovina. Um, oh, you got it right, yeah. Fair. Yes. Uh, uh, John Quell Jones is playing for Bosnia Herzegovina. Uh, she's just been lighting it up in the NBA, WNBA the last two years for the Connecticut Suns. Obviously, just finished the final series against Las uh, Vegas Aces. So she's already here. I think she landed in Sydney today. Um, and I, I think it's a, one of the first time in a very long time that Bosnia Herzegovina had featured at the World Cup, uh, if ever. So, yeah, I will definitely be getting a seat to, to see John Quell Jones play for them in action as well. So she, she's going to be the real anchor for that team. Um, but I think that's someone that a lot of people probably don't know uh, a lot about, unless you follow the WNBA closely. I don't think a lot of uh, Australian basketball fans or, you know, just kind of women's basketball yep. fans in general would really think to have their eyes on John Quell Jones. Um, another really interesting one that I learned today who's coming is playing for Mali, and her last name is, hold on, I wrote it down, and I want to make sure that I try and I make sure I say it right. It's uh, Maimuna Hadara from Mali. She's only like 18 years old. Yeah. And she's playing for her national team. So she came to my attention when I was commentating the under-18 Women's Africa FIBA qualifiers. So she's yep. recently just played. So she played the under-17 World Cup in July. Then she played uh, the under-18 FIBA Africa Women's uh, like World Cup qualifier for next year in August. So now she's here with the senior women's team for Mali in September. Um, and she's definitely one to look out for in the future. She's really long. She's quick. She's a dry first guard. You know, she's really great on the offensive rebound. So that's someone I'm going to be really interested in watching to see how she goes at this kind of big world stage. Um, but also, uh, Johanna's from France. Everyone was really looking forward to seeing her after she had a great season for the New York Liberty. But unfortunately, she's put, she's injured now with a thigh injury. Um, which has, you know, broken a lot of hearts in the last couple of days. Um, I also had Yvonne Anderson from Serbia on the list. She's a 5'9 point guard who has dual citizenship between America and Serbia, but she's been playing in Europe a lot, and she's someone who can, like, shoot from anywhere. So she can take you on the pick and roll on the three. She can drive all the way from the all the way to the basket and uh, take on the centre and be able to finish. Um, and she's also going to be a real anchor for that Serbian team as the point guard. Um, so they're probably the first couple, but the one person that a lot of my friends have messaged me and said, if you meet her, please give her my number. What what this person is going to do with your number, guys, I don't know. <laughs> but it's uh, Sabrina Ionescu. Mm -hmm. so, New York Liberty star, right? Yes, a huge season for the New York Liberty last season. Um, and obviously Coach Sandy Brondello for the Opals is going to know how she plays very, very well. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, so a lot of people is excited to see her in the flesh. My understanding is that it's her first World Cup. Um, I'm pretty sure ever, or at least definitely at least as a senior. Yep. When I was trying to find out, I like fact checked that this afternoon. The only other Team USA reference I could find was that she played some three on three, but otherwise, yeah, this is going to be uh, it's going to be a big tournament for Sabrina, I think. Oh, brilliant. But, yeah, but that, that's a lot of people, but that's a, no, that's, I feel that's, like that's a good spectrum, good spectrum of yeah. people to look out for. Yeah, no, 
Thanks so much for that, Quinn. So just before we move on, I want to talk about the the Opals, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, tell us about what you what you think. I mean, what are their chances? You know, what kind of impact is someone like Lauren Jackson going to have on that squad? Um, yeah, talk to us. Yeah, no, I'm expecting the Opals to for a, like a podium finish as well. I really, I honestly feel like if they can uh, really synchronize well on on the defensive front. Um, their defense at Tokyo Olympics was not definitely not their best. That was the biggest letdown. Um, so I, I feel like yeah, if they're going to be defensive focused first, which I, I which I've heard that that is their focus for the tournament is to be a defensive first team. That I really hope that they well, I really believe that they can get a podium finish. They're going to have a really really tough group, but if they can make it through that group, um, all they've got to do is finish top four. And yeah. um, I'm really confident that they can do that and then they can work their way up to at least the semifinals. I reckon they can get on the podium for sure. They've got such a lovely mix of uh, Opals debutantes, World Cup debutantes and experienced Opals players. It's such a long spectrum, like a big spectrum of experience at this, you know, like kind of world stage that uh, they're all going to offer something a little bit different. You know, that you've got Annalie Maley making her debut. I was going to ask you. Yeah, she's she's going to. I mean, I won't expect her to play a lot of minutes, yeah. but the minute she plays, we can expect her to inject so much energy off the bench and so much intensity. So she'll be someone who, if we get into a game, you know, against Serbia, and we might be in a little bit of a defensive lull, or we need something, something to spark what's happening on the court, you can put someone like Malian and expect her to have a like a, a direct impact onto the game. Um, but LJ, I mean. LJ is probably someone who also realistically will probably play limited minutes. I think they're going to be really smart with how much LJ plays, when she plays, who she plays against. So probably against teams like Mali, we, we, we won't expect LJ to play lots of minutes because we've got to try and manage her rest and recovery throughout the whole tournament. Because essentially the, the schedule is pretty tough as well. It's basically a game a day. Uh, very few rest days in between. Having the, the death group means that the very tough games every day um but i think lj just her presence is a massive x factor for the opals just having her in the squad um whether she's on the court off the court she's going to keep instilling that positive culture that the opals needed after the drama that was the tokyo olympics etc etc she who shall not be named um yeah but just uh, recuperating that culture, uh, being an anchor for the team with her presence, I think that's already LJ's job half done in this Opal squad. And, I mean, she's played with Tolo before. She's played with Kayla George before. She's played with a lot of these um, people before in, in bits and pieces. And she's someone who could easily slot into any kind of team dynamic and know her role well. Um, and she's not someone who's going to be expecting so many touches and so many shots she's going to have to like put the team first and her stats second so i think that's also a really good example to be setting for the opals squad and the culture in the future as well um but yeah podium finish defensive first there's always there's going to be a lot of eyes on our guards as well because we don't have typically a sound point guard tokyo we had leilani mitchell tessa lady and they're you know bread and butter point guards it's going to be this time split between Christy Wallace and Sammy Whitcomb, and both can play point guard, yep. but both are also more effective when they're playing a shooting guard. So it's going to be interesting with their rotations of how they're going to share that load as well. 
Yeah, terrific. Thanks, Jacinta. Now, you're a huge ambassador for not just basketball, but women's basketball and, and, and having uh, a World Cup in, in New South Wales is a big thing, right? So what are you going to tell to everyone here and the, in the general public who's listening to this about getting out there and supporting the game here? Buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. There are tickets for individual games. There are tickets for all day. There are tickets for double headers at affordable prices at school holidays. So bring your kids. Um, it's a really can be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We, we've been really lucky that it's come back to Sydney. It was in Sydney in 1994. Um, so we're very lucky it's come back to Sydney. And if you're a real basketball fan or the kids need something to do, it's a perfect opportunity to come and participate. It's all in one area. There's going to be lots of other activities and things to engage with in between games in the Homebush, you know, complex. Yeah. Um, but the, that's the one, the best way that we can support uh, any kind of sport is to yeah. buy a ticket and turn up, bring your friends and make a day of it. And you can, you're guaranteed that the games are going to be quality. It's not going to be a gamble of, oh, uh, you know, like, you know, if we went to the NBL Blitz, it's the gamble of are they going to play the bench, who's going to be injured, who's going to be on minute restrictions. This is guaranteed. People are going for a World Cup championship. You're guaranteed they're going to be great games every time. Everyone's going to be playing their heart out. And it's, I mean, we're the host nation. So it's not every day that A, the team and the Opals get to play on home soil, but B, it's not every day we get to see them play every day on home soil. So you just take the opportunity as much as you can. Well said, Squint. Yeah, even families get out there, right? Mm. Um, and support support the game. Okay, so before we just finish up here, I wanted to say congratulations to both you two with the work you've done with the NBL1 in the off-season. Uh, Squin, you had the opportunity to go to the uh, national championships and, and call the game there. So, um, you know, maybe I'll throw it over to you, Robbie, man. Do you want to speak on that and uh, take it away? Yeah, I mean, look, it was a real honour, you know, doing my stuff this year for the Hills Hornets. I wasn't able to sort of do any of those finals games out at Castle Hill, unfortunately. I was sort of running solo at home, um, just looking after my daughter. But, no, it was great. It's um, given me a lot sort of greater appreciation, um, probably firstly for the women's game as well. I've probably been that traditional, you know, ginormous basketball fan that, you know, pretty much all they watches is NBL, NBA sort of thing. So that kind of opened my eyes up a bit. And as I sort of mentioned a few times, I really got behind the WNBA um, playoffs this year. So really enjoyed that sort of part and just sort of getting to meet some of these people, you know, getting to meet Lauren Jackson and, you know, just some of these fringe sort of NBL, you know, guys that have sort of played in the past or some older guys and that. But, yeah, really enjoyed doing it. Um, feel like I improved a lot, but I've still got, you know, miles to go sort of thing. I remember those first few nights going out there when I was really had that nervous energy going. It sort of felt a little bit second nature by the end of it sort of thing. But, no, that, that was probably my experience. But what about yourself, Jacinda? How did you find the, the season? Uh, it was interesting, um, you know, commentating for Central Coast Crusaders for me is just like having a chat with a friend because I've been so ingrained with the club and Crusaders for ever um, that it's kind of the stuff if I was in the stands I'd be saying to someone nonetheless, so I may as well put it to good use. But uh, it was um, up and down for the Crusaders, so sometimes that made uh, commentating a bit tricky, especially if there were any blowouts. Um, it was really hard sometimes to find the line between commentator and fan, especially when sometimes the games were getting a little bit out of hand and the referees really needed to rein it in. There were a couple of games at the end of the men's season that were getting quite dangerous. 
and we have to maintain be completely neutral and not say anything bad about the referee. So finding creative ways to say that something needed to change for safety mm. was uh, very interesting. Um, but the NBL One Nationals was like I, I'm still really proud that I got to got picked for that because I was the only female commentator out of eight people that were picked to go. And apparently they were inundated with applications for commentators. So I was really, really proud that I, I got to go. And it was way better than I was expecting it to be. Um, I worked with a lot of really great other commentators from other states. So that ha they're going to make me a bit more accountable to pick up my game a little bit as well and room for improvement. Because I, I think I got a little bit too comfortable uh, with Crusaders. Me and Hamish have a good rapport. I'm able to do the colour all the time, which I'm most comfortable doing rather than the play-by-play. -play. Um, but doing the same team every week, you get a little bit too comfortable. So Nationals is a really, really good challenge um, in that respect too. I'm just going to plug in my laptop for a sec. <laughs> Hey, Jacinta, I know you can still hear me, hear me while you're doing that. How did you find doing solo games? I had quite a few games out at Hills where the other commentator wasn't available, so you're sort of doing the, the colour and the play-by-play. -play. How did you find sort of, you know, solo games? I know you've done that, obviously, with some of the, the junior uh, championships as well lately. Yeah, so I did I, I did some games solo when I did some, yeah, junior fever games, and that setup is it's cast on your laptop, it's the middle of the night, Australia time. So some games I did was like 2 a.m., 4 a.m. when I was doing those Fever Africa Women's Championships. Um, it's really hard. It's hard to find a fine balance between play-by-play -play and colour when you're by yourself because you don't have anyone to bounce off. You don't have anyone to bounce off in terms of creating some humour and some dialogue either. Um, but the play-by-play -play when you're by yourself, especially doing a team you don't know very well, is quite mm -hmm. difficult just to get used to who who is who. Um, getting the names down pat. Some names are quite difficult, like the team from Madagascar was, no, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was that was very challenging. Um, but uh, I, I, I prefer doing colour than play-by-play. -play. I can do play-by-play -play if I need to, um, but doing both is, is definitely really challenging, yeah. What what did you, what role did you take, Robbie? Were you play-by-play -play or were you colour? Um, I was the colour guy sort of thing, so that was probably well suited for me. The other guy that I was working with is not really a basketball guy. He's more like an MC sort of guy, so we sort of combined those. But, yeah, I found it sort of, I think um, Liam Santamaria, I had a chat with him before I did my first solo one. He was saying, don't feel like you've got to talk the whole time just because you're by yourself. Let the sounds of, you know, the whistle and the, you know, the shoes squeaking and the ball bouncing and let some of that sort of fill it up. So that probably helped as well rather than thinking you've just got to keep talking. But good call what you said as before as well. There's no sort of humour and other sort of things like that. I like sort of throwing a bit of that into there when you've got another commentator. So it is a bit hard to make a joke to yourself, I guess. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, when I did the FIBA games, we uh, had to engage with the FIBA, like, like the YouTube live stream, like the live chat, we had to engage with that. So that sometimes gave me a point of someone I could bounce back um, back and forth with, positive or negative. Um, so that, that, that was helpful in that respect. But uh, I think what Liam, the, Liam's advice to you is really sound. I try and focus on quality rather than quantity. No. Yes, quality, quality rather than quantity, yep. especially when I'm providing the colour. Because uh, I learnt when I, at NBL One East Finals, I commentated with someone new who I hadn't commentated with before. And I did ask at the start, do you want to do play-by-play -play or colour? And they said, oh, let's just do whatever and see how it goes. And they spoke 
the whole time. See, I could have been there, Jacinda. I could have been in my normal chair. I we could know. have been side by side doing that. I reckon we would have had a good rapport there. But yeah, next next time, right? Next time, for sure, for sure. But yeah, it's it, I definitely try and focus on quality over quantity. So what Liam said is really sound advice. But are you going to do are you going to do it next year, Robbie? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. They've already started talking about it. We actually went to the presentation night, um, like the senior presentation awards on Saturday. So that was good. They got me up on stage and presented me. I didn't even do that. Woods, they presented me with like a t-shirt and took some photos and stuff. So that was really good. And now nah, oh, I can't wait to for April for it all to start again next year and get back into it. Yeah, that's awesome. What what do you feel like you're planning to focus on next season now that you've done one got one season under your belt? Probably a few more production things. So I want to get maybe some interviews with a coach or a player, either half-time or full-time or both. That would probably be one thing. Um, yeah, probably just, I guess, just continuing to define the roles that I'm doing with the other guy and just, you know, continuing to, to do that research. Probably that was one thing if I'm, you know, critical, can be critical sometimes we would talk over each other a little bit it's sort of i think like woody and i found with the podcast looking for that pause body language those sort of things when you know someone's about to sort of stop what they're saying and then sort of start talking then but yeah that's probably the the main areas of focus i guess hmm. that sounds really good I'm, I'm excited for you i'm so glad that you enjoy it so fun yeah, yeah. so good it doesn't feel like work does it like you said you got the best seat in the house like calling the game we love sort of thing it's yeah it's great yeah well, there's two friends of mine, really proud of you guys and, and giving back to the basketball community has been amazing. Jacinta, you spoke of having so many different applications to have that opportunity to go to the National national Championship Day. For you to get it, that's just testament to the hard work and, and dedication you put into the job. You know, they didn't pick you for no reason, so well done. Yeah, Yeah, thank you so much. Really, I really appreciate it. It was um, definitely a highlight of the year, I think. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's been a really good show. We've got through a lot today. You know, the content's been terrific. Jacinta, just amazing, you know, your knowledge and, 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 and speaking on the, uh, on the Women's uh, World Cup is, has, has been great. And thanks for all the um, research and work you did and, and contributed to our Jack Jumpers conversation as well. That was brilliant, right? Oh, yeah, no worries. I wanted to make sure I brought my A game with you, you guys because you guys are both like two halves of the basketball world encyclopedia, you know, like libraries that can be accessed so i'm like i gotta bring um, my a game today you brought your a game sister you did all right so quickly just a correction from last week i put it on twitter i did say robert Parrish averaged 14 point something points a game in his last season that was wrong i apologize um my bad we like we pride ourselves on being encyclopedias and getting all our facts right yeah it's just it just said so just call that one out now um as i said earlier in the show please follow us wherever you do it's been great. We've been getting a lot, lot of um, views on, on YouTube and, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Appreciate everyone's support. Robbie, take it away. Yeah, so just the usual uh, Twitter shout-out, at Throwbacks Hoops. Um, check us out on Instagram. We're throwback.hoops. Um, and, of course, our email address, throwbackhoopspodcast at gmail.com. Cool, cool. No worries. Um, and Patreon, if you want to support us, please jump on there. Look for Throwback Hoops. We'd appreciate your, your support. Uh, Squin, your plug. Ah, so I'm actually, for those who don't know, I'm actually a co-host of a women's basketball podcast called Shooting the Breeze. So you can find us on Twitter um, at The Breeze Pod. And you can also find us on Instagram. That's just Shooting the Breeze. And for my personal handles uh, on Twitter, I'm S underscore Squin, which is S-Q-U-I-N. And on Instagram, I'm just Jacinta underscore Govan, because I like to give the internet all of my names. Awesome. Well, it's been great, guys. I'm really looking forward to the next few weeks. Uh, a lot of exciting times ahead in the basketball world. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I think like Jacinda said, I guess get out and support these games, right? You said it a lot better than me, though. 
No, absolutely. Buy a ticket, buy a singlet, post it on social media, bring your friends to come. Any point of exposure you can think of to support. And this isn't just for the Women's World Cup that's starting tomorrow. This is for any team that you support, your friends you support, anything that you feel like is worth shouting about, just make sure it's known because I don't think as people or as fans we do enough to say how much we appreciate people and how much we need to celebrate each other. So post it, like it, comment on it, invite your friends, buy the merch, buy the ticket, just go for it. Well said. Thanks, Jacinta. Thanks, Robbie. From the Throwback Hoops crew, we're out. See you next week. Peace out. Thank you.